0: Amen. I'm telling you, there's nothing, no better way to talk about the gospel going viral than to hear that missionary story today. That was incredible. That was moving. The the gospel is viral, isn't it? It is viral. Absolutely. We are, of course, in our uh, series, our summer series from the book of Acts, and I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm Pastor Mark. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just glad if you're, if you're a guest here, I think it will, even though we're in the middle of a series, it won't matter. You'll be able to jump right in and see what God is doing in our world. So uh, if you'll join with me, we're going to go to Acts chapter 17. We're going to jump in here. This is one of the most exciting passages. I'm, Pastor Jay, I'm so glad to get to do this passage. It's, it's so rich, and I, honestly, we could be here three hours. We will not be. I promise. At all, but I, I, I just I want to I want to try to try to get across the best I can from this passage how viral the gospel really is. If you'll join with me, Acts seventeen, just beginning at verse one. Uh, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Napoleona, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you, he said, is the Messiah. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of devout Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. When they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, saying, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying, "There's another king, one called Jesus." Then they made Jason, I say, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post-bond and let them go. That phrase I read in verse six, "Turn the world upside down." That just really grabbed me. Turn the world upside down. The NIV and some others say things like cause trouble in the world or whatever. But I want to tell you, the, the, the actual Greek text, the actual Greek word, anesteowa, means "turned the world upside down. Turned it upside down. That's saying a lot. <laughs> they turned the world upside down. Now, we usually think of mobs of anarchist and stuff like that. We think about people breaking windows, throwing bricks at policemen. We, talk, we think about the Antifa types, you know. But in this case, the mob was accusing the Christians of being the mob, of being the ones that turned the world upside down, sort of anarchy. They accused them of being troublemakers. Did you know that, this is just sort of a note, historically, Uh, even though in the Roman Empire there was a lot of persecution of Christians, did you know that many of them, most of them, were accused of treason? That's what Christians were accused of. They They weren't accused of worshiping Jesus. They were accused of treason. They were accused of being against the government. And did you know that even though many Christians went to their death for the sake of the gospel. Did you know the number one way that Christians were persecuted in the Roman Empire was boycotting their businesses? The government wouldn't let people buy things from their businesses, causing them incredible uh, financial suffering. And then they got to the point where they wouldn't allow Christians to buy food. It was sort of a backdoor way of persecuting many of them. Now, why is it Why is it it made them so mad? Why is it that it made them so mad? Well, in the last half of verse 7, it says, they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king called Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's why the mob was so mad. That's why the government was so mad. They were turning the world upside down. They had another king. They had another king. They were were considered anarchist, disloyal, treasonous to the government because they had a king other than Caesar, and his name was Jesus. And so the mob just asked them to come, come down hard on them for doing that. Now, I guess upside down is sort of a relative term, isn't it? It depends on where you start. I don't think Paul and Silas and the other Christians really considered themselves Setting the world upside down, they think they were trying to set the world upright, you know, they were trying to straighten it out because actually, the world was already upside down, the Roman world was already upside down, so is ours. The world was broken, immoral, decaying, living in opposition to God, but from the mob's perspective. Christians were messing up the way things were. They weren't interested in what Christians were saying. They didn't know, want to know what Jesus had to say. They didn't want anybody to challenge their worldview at the time. They weren't interested in changing anything. And they didn't even realize they themselves were living an upside-down life. A few days ago, Pastor Jeremy and I were talking about this this very thing. And uh, Jeremy reminded me of a song written in the early 1990s by Russ Lee and a Christian band called Truth. Some of you might remember Truth. There's a, there's a song called Living Life Upside Down. And I just want to show you the words of the song because it really, it really says this. John has a new way of looking at life. He's tired of his job, his kids, and his wife says the secret to his success is in leaving and finding himself. Now he's someone to somebody else. You say I've risen to a new age of light. You're telling me what used to be wrong is now right. But I say, what if we've fallen to the bottom of the well, thinking we've risen to the top of the mountain? What if we're knocking at the gates of hell, thinking we're heaven-bound? What if we spend our lives thinking of ourselves when we should have been thinking of each other? What if we reach up and touch the ground to find we're living life upside down? To find we're living life upside down. Jesus came into a world that had been upside down since the day Adam and Eve were in the garden. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus said all who believe in him could live in a new different kingdom that was right side up, that was godly. But it clashed big time with the upside down world in which we live. So Paul and Silas were preaching a truth to an upside down world that considered Christians to be the troublemakers. This viral series in the book of Acts Couldn't be really honest if we didn't mention one thing that is throughout the book of Acts. The church of Jesus Christ, God's people, this story in Acts is full of persecution of Christians. it It would be unfair not to let you realize that. Early Christians were labeled everything in the book, they were labeled traitors, as I mentioned, because. They preached another kingdom. They belonged to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. They were called atheists because they didn't acknowledge the Roman and Greek gods. They were antisocial because they wouldn't participate in the drunken holiday festivals and orgies that government sponsored. They were considered cannibals because of the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ at communion. They were considered witches because of supernatural miracles and healings that occurred regularly in their midst. See, an upside-down world sees truth in an upside-down way, and it's only the Holy Spirit of God that can bring a new perspective to someone's mind and heart. And when it happens, then what the Scripture says is fulfilled. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. So you understand, the world lives life upside down. We're the ones that have found the way to make it right again. But in their mind, we're the problem. You see, these Christians in Acts chapter 17 we read about, they were dangerous Oh yeah, because they believed in a higher authority. These men and women were not armed militant political radicals. That's not what they were. They were radical though. Their belief in the resurrection of Jesus defined their whole life. Their faith was not a hobby. Did you hear that? Their faith was not a pastime, a hobby, a weekend event. It was the center of their whole life. It was the center of their professional life, of their family life, their social life. It's how they, it determined how they spent their money, where they spent their money, what they would do, and what they would not do with friends. It's true. Their accusers were right. These Christians were turning the world upside down. When they said their loyalty was to a higher power, the Bible, the God of the Bible, They were correct in the belief that Jesus was more important to them than the things of this world. You see, good Roman citizens didn't worship one God. They worshiped many gods. And they really considered Caesar a god. So the mob decided to threaten and punish Christians because they worshiped one God instead of Roman culture. Christians weren't going to support unjust businesses like prostitution. And Christians even began to be known as one who treated slaves as brothers. Well, that upset the apple cart. So Paul and Silas and Jason were ripped out of their house, humiliated, beaten, punished. Why? Because they answered to a higher authority. That's why. The truth is this, as long as we call ourselves Christians, Jesus is our authority. He is our ultimate high authority, and our loyalty should be to him alone. The truth is this, it's true that as long as we have breath, as long as there's a struggle against temptation, there will be lots of things trying to vie for top spot in our world. If Jesus is our higher authority, don't you think the world, the culture we live in, is going to try to replace it with a lot of things? Yes. We'll be tempted to give first place to money. Oh, yeah. We'll be tempted to put our security and our hope in what is in our bank account, what is in our retirement account. We'll be tempted to make our financial well-being more important than our spiritual health, to elevate work above having family together in church on Sunday. It's true. We'll be tempted to be miserly. I can say that, I'm Scrooge. I'm tempted to be miserly (laughs) instead of generous. To be selfish instead of giving. And remember, when we were tempted to be like this, to put money as number one, we gotta remember we have a higher authority. Cash is not king. Your employer is not king. Jesus is your king. It's true. Ah, we'll be tempted to believe that government and political power is the answer. We'll be tempted to put our political agendas before God's agenda. Whoa. We'll be tempted to believe that being a Christian is being loyal to a political party or a political candidate. Or government policy. I believe, I believe strongly that a nation who fears the Lord will be blessed. Yes, I do. And I love our country. We love our country. We want God's purpose for America to be fulfilled. That's what we want. But our government, or any government, does not have authority over God and God's people. And over our agenda. Political power is limited God's power is unlimited. Our authority is King Jesus. There may be times that we're tempted to believe that the crowd has more authority than God. Oh yeah, we crave the approval of friends or getting friended on Facebook. Sometimes sometimes in a way that's almost almost uh, ridiculous, we are we are crave the approval of friends. We long for the acceptance of others. We try to sometimes maintain peace at any price. We don't want anybody to to feel upset by what we think or how we feel to the point of even compromising our own faith. It's called peer pressure. And here's the deal, adults are as susceptible to it as the young are. Absolutely. There'll be certainly pressure to conform to our culture It's so easy to be swallowed up by our culture. (laughs) It's easy to live life upside down, placing priority on things that our culture values values, and then measuring ourselves and everybody else by it. So easy to do that. Stop and ask yourself this question. What does my life revolve around? What or who calls the shots in my daily life? What takes my time and attention? Who makes the decisions that affect me the most? Whoa, that's a big deal. I think about that every time I conduct a funeral. Have you ever really thought about the fact that our brief time on earth, most of the things that we consider important will not matter at all? (laughs) Will not matter at all? In eternity, how you climb the success ladder will not matter at all. No one will be recognized for the educational achievements. None. There will be no difference in heaven between a Ph.D. and a parolee. It's true. There will be, there'll be in heaven no cheers of War Eagle and Roll Tide. It will not happen to go to some funerals, you would think so. There, the greatest of the great will probably be a praying grandmother. (laughs) The bravest of the brave will probably be somebody who lost his job because he wouldn't compromise his faith. That's true. yeah. Did you know that when Kingwood Church began, uh, there were people who lost their jobs because they went to that crazy prayer meeting where people like were loud and did weird things yes when kingwood church began in the 1920s people lost their jobs at the Siluria mills for that reason and some of those grandchildren of those people that fired them are in our church today <laughs> yes it's true culture places value on status but christianity places value on human souls Hey, we may make the mistake of placing authority of our lives into the hands of our friends and family members. The God who called us to love our family and love our neighbors is the same God that says you should love the Lord your God first. He wants our first love. He wants to be our first love. First and foremost, love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have a higher authority than relationships, even close relationships. And that authority is Jesus. Now, do you understand why there was such an issue in Thessalonica? Why these people got in trouble? They had another king. They had another king. Finally, we have to also know that we'll be tempted to just put ourself on the throne of our life. Just self. We'll tempted to believe that my desires, my needs, my dreams, my hopes, my rights are more important than God's claim on my life. We'll convince ourselves it's okay to do all sort of sinful things because we've earned it or we deserve it or somebody hurt me and I'm a victim and I need this. We need to remember there's a higher authority than me. I need to take myself off the throne and put Jesus on the throne of my life. Jesus wants wants an all-in group of folks that follow him. All-in, he does. Not frittering our lives away on ourselves. That's what Christians throughout the history have done. Incredible, overcoming Christians. Where there was darkness, they brought light. Where there was hatred, they brought love. Where there was sadness, they brought joy. Where there was bondage, they brought freedom. When there was sickness, they brought healing. When there was death, they brought life. Those believers in Acts chapter 17, they took on a culture, the Roman culture, that was tired and troubled and deceived and totally upside down. And they brought it into the light of Jesus Christ. And that's what we must do as well. All right. Before I go today, I just want to mention two things. I know I've been already talking for a while, but two things that were key ingredients to them being empowered to take the the gospel viral in a city like Thessalonica and in the rest of the world. There are just two key ingredients. Here they are. The first one, integrity. Ooh, at Acts 17, 4, this is what we read. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. That phrase, devout Greeks, this is what it means. It means people who were raised up in that Roman culture, and they, were, they realized that they needed more than the empty pagan religion that was offered to them. And so they got interested in the invisible God of the Jews. And they started going to the Jewish synagogues to find out what the God of the Bible says because they knew there was something more than what they had had. And then Paul and Silas showed up and preached Jesus and they went, that's it! That's it! This hunger I've had that brought me to, to listen to the God of the Jews, the invisible God, that hunger now is the man Jesus. That's it! And they realized it. They were hungry for a message of hope. They were looking for something real, something authentic, just like your next-door neighbor's looking for, just like many of your coworkers at work are looking for, just like the students that you go to school with are looking for, just out like some of your family members are looking for. Yes, they're hungry for a message of hope. By the way, this, the Roman culture at that time was extremely broken and terribly, terribly immoral. Slavery was the universal system among the Roman in the Roman Empire. Different levels of it. Sexual permissiveness and perversion was the rule of the day in the Roman Empire. Prostitution, all forms of sexual immorality, were a major part of their daily lives. Human life was cheap in the Roman Empire. They practiced abortion and infanticide, yes. And Christians, by the way, rejected it. Pleasure and excess in any form was their primary pursuit. The gladiator uh, uh, battles that occurred, bloodshedding for entertainment. Sports, violent entertainment... Gave them their heroes. Wow. Into that broken world, by the way, one that sounds very much like our broken world. Christianity offered a brand new element. Integrity. Christianity offered authentic integrity in a broken world where lying and cheating was just the way people lived their lives. Archaeologists discovered a letter recently, uh, a letter written to a man named Diogetus about 60 years after the book of Acts was written, and it showed how revolutionary this idea of Christian integrity was in the Roman Empire. Listen to this. The letter expressed, the, the writer of the letter expressed to the guy he was writing, he was amazed that Christians share their meals in common, but not their wives. And also, he noticed how Christians love their enemies when he said, Foolishly they come to the aid of friend and foe alike. I tell you, when I heard to this morning feeding all of the prisoners in Zimbabwe, I thought, How many people go, that's ridiculous. Why should churches uh, do that? Uh, That's exactly what churches would do. That is exactly what the early Christians did. And this guy that wrote a letter was amazed in the Roman Empire that there were these people that treated friend and foe alike. You know what it was? It was Christian integrity. It was the teachings of Jesus being lived out in the lives of individual Christians. And notice it said foolishly. That means a lot of Christians got taken advantage of. But they did it because their master told them to. No wonder these Christians were making noise in their world. No wonder they were turning the world upside down. They were doing something that had been ignored in godless, secular Roman society. Christians were began to be known for lives of integrity. And some people didn't know how to handle it, like the mob. D.L. Moody said, The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. Whoa, look at that. You know, sometimes in American society, it doesn't seem to be that Christians are exceptions. Uh, Divorce rate is the same as the secular divorce rate in the church. Cheating on marriage and Cheating on taxes is just as common as in the non-Christian world. Lying to spouses or the tax man at the drop of a hat. Many don't think anything of it. Uh, I heard about this man who wrote a letter to the IRS. Listen to this letter. Dear sirs, I can't sleep at night. Last year when I filled out my income tax form, I misrepresented my income. Enclosed is my check for $325. P.S. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. (laughs) You know what? we got to come to the place in our lives (laughs) where we live out the conviction that nothing is more important than living under the rule of our higher authority, Jesus Christ. It's more important than our personal feelings and opinions, It's more important than our own happiness. It's more important than our education. It's more important than our job. It's more important than our success. It's more important than our possessions. We'll become a kingdom people if we turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ by living lives of integrity. And the kingdom people are people who put the kingdom first in their lives and in the choices they make. Even when no one is looking. Integrity. It's amazing what integrity does to spread the gospel. I remember uh, one time uh, uh, going to uh, Sneaky Pete's hot dog in Homewood. I went with uh, it was one of the young people when I was a youth pastor. We went to Sneaky Pete's and ate, and and it was busy. And so you were in line, and they said just sit down and pay when you finish. Well, we ate and got up and left, just totally forgot to pay. And we got back to Alabaster, and, I, and my friend said, we didn't pay. Oh, God. So we turned around and went back to Homewood, and I walked in. And I said, I am sorry. We had four hot dogs or whatever and, and two drinks, and we forgot to pay. And he goes, you came back to pay for a hot dog? I said, yeah. And he goes, that doesn't happen around here very often. And I thought, really? Do You know what? It was a perfect time. And I just said, well, we belong to Jesus. (laughs) We're Christians. And that's why we do these kind of things. And, you know, he probably went home and thought, man, these people are different. They're crazy. Here's the second key ingredient. Involvement. Integrity and involvement. Look at this. In Acts 17, 6, we read, the mob dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities. Now listen, uh, you may or may not have known that there was a guy in the Bible named Jason. <laughs> I mean, everybody thought Jason was like an 80s name, all right? Uh, there, there's, there was a guy. He's only mentioned here and one time in Paul's letters. He was simply the guy that let Paul and Silas stay at his house. He was a home opener. He was a—he uh, he ran a and B, I I guess, and, and he just— he, he, that's that's him for the mob Jason was guilty by association they couldn't find Paul and Silas so they just said where is he living he's living with this Jason let's get him so they pulled him out publicly shamed him ostracized him beat him and charged him a fine and yet apparently Jason didn't regret his association with the Christians or the name of Jesus Jason was willing to get involved and let these Christian leaders live in his home, even though they, he knew it could cause big trouble, and it did. You know, there are a lot of things that we would love to see happen through Kingwood Church and through our ministry outside these walls. There are a lot of things, but they won't happen unless we get personally involved. All of us get personally involved. I'm serious. We may have opinions about the way things ought to be, but unless they're feet on the ground, it won't matter. There was a fisherman one time who, who always just seemed to bring home a whole boatload of fish. It was just crazy. Everybody talked about it. He was the best fisherman in the world. So another guy heard about it and said, man, I want to go with this guy and find out how he does this. So the t- he said, okay. So the guest went with him and they went out one morning and they went to this secluded area and... The guests noticed the fisherman didn't have a fishing pole. He just had a tackle box and a net. When they got to the spot, the fisherman opened up his box, put out a stick of dynamite, lit it, threw it in. It blew up. Fish rose to the top. He got his net and scooped him out and put him in a boat. Well, the guest turned around and reached out of his back pocket and pulled out a badge. Oh, yeah, it was the game warden. the fisherman calmly opened the tackle box got out another stick of dynamite lit it, handed it to the warden and said you going to fish you going to stand there isn't that the question we sort of need to ask ourselves today we going to fish or we just going to sit here we have the most powerful force ever known in our world the message of a resurrected Savior to bring hope to the world and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We're going to fish. We're going to sit here. Don't wait till everything in your life is perfect because it will never be. But you can still get involved in kingdom work. As pastors at Kingwood, it's it's really encouraging to hear stories like this one. And, And this is a recent one. Pastor, my job is moving our family to the Birmingham area. And uh, we've been visiting churches, and we think Kingwood is the perfect fit for us. So pray for us. Now we're going to try to find a house so we can be close and be involved. That's the family that says, hey, the spiritual life of my family is so important. I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to find a church before I find a house. So I'll know, so I'll be close and I can stay involved. Man, I love that means my family's spiritual life is more important than anything else because we live for eternal value. Followers of Jesus are like that. They inspire us to be disciples who let God do work in us, that's integrity, and work through us, involvement. Can we still make disciples like that today? I think so. I do. Can we make disciples that turn the world upside down today? I think so. I believe we can. I believe we're in a hotbed of it right here. I believe I can be one of them, and I believe you can too. So today, here are just a few things that you can do. And this is, this is what our altar call is going to be about today. Number one, you can today place Jesus on the throne of your life. This may be the first time for some of you, it may be a time for others to turn an upside down life right side again by reordering and recommitting your life to serve God again. But you can say today, Jesus has not been on the throne of my life and I need to do that today. That can happen to you. Here's the second thing. I ask you to look around you. Look around you for people hungry, For God that you already know you know co-workers family friends neighbors that just need a nudge they just need an invitation how about they just need somebody to pray for them right now so I'm going to invite you in a moment if there's somebody that came to your mind I'm going to ask you to come and agree with somebody in prayer at the front for that person it's time we move in that direction we did that around Easter we prayed for people and watched God harvest that needs to be something we live on a daily basis Here's the third, determine today that you're not gonna waste another minute by being a Christian spectator. Most people slip through their whole life without passion for God. They spend their life on trivial diversions, living for comfort and pleasure, staying about out of controversy. Don't let that person be you. Have some purpose. Decide today to be a participant In the work of God. Right here at Kingwood. God, where do I fit? Where's the right place for me to serve? God, show me. Where do you want me to fit in? You could be like that guy named Jason in the Bible. He didn't shrink back from being involved. He stuck his neck out. He helped accomplish something eternal just by being willing to be a servant of God. You can do that. So today, I'm going to ask our our prayer team, would would you come on and stand here as everyone else stands? Prayer team, would you come and gather? We're going to ask you today, if you are ready to put Jesus on the throne of your life, maybe to reorder yourself, I'm going to ask you to come and pray with one of these that are coming to the altar. I'm going to ask you if there's somebody in your life right now that God has put on your heart and you want to take a step right now and say, I'm going to be involved in prayer. I'm going to be involved right now. I'm going to take a step forward. I'm going to pray for them. Somebody here will agree with you in prayer. And today, some of you just need to say, you know what? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to tell somebody, I am going to become an active, involved person at Kingwood Church. I'm going to be Jason. I'm going to do my part. Jason wasn't the evangelist, but Jason was necessary for the gospel to go viral." Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray, Lord, as we as we close this service, as people have the opportunity to come and pray, that you just draw them to let them settle something, seal something in their heart right now. Would you just, would you just come right now as we're praying? Would you just come right now and seal this with someone? Just come and pray. They're, they're waiting on you at the front. Just come and pray. God, I need to put you on the throne of my life. God, I need to build character and integrity. I don't want to be swallowed up anymore by, by this culture. God, I want to pray for my neighbor. I want to pray for my friend. God, there's somebody on my heart I want to take a step toward. God, I'll pray for him today, and you'll open up a door for me tomorrow. God, I'm not going to waste another day being a spectator. I want to come and be a part of your kingdom. Would you step out right now? Just come on. Step out rather. Don't be afraid. Just step out and walk forward. forward. Somebody's going to pray with you. Somebody's going to pray. Somebody's going to pray. We are here for you. Come into i